and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. If you want, you can turn to your Bibles to Luke 24. Um, this morning I talked about uh, a, a blessed perspective, and today I want to talk about something similar but from a different angle. And I believe that the Lord, um, how many of you are happy that it's Easter Sunday? How many of you know that means something? Okay, three of you. If you didn't know, Easter Sunday is a really great day. It's the day that everything changed for us, and it's the reason we gather. Like, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, there's no reason for us to gather here today. But because he did, we are alive. And according to Romans, it says that he died, his death was our death, and his resurrection was our resurrection. Which means that I have the opportunity to live a life, as do you, free from sin and alive to Christ. And so I believe no matter where you find yourself today in life, no matter if you've known Jesus forever, or if this is your first Sunday hearing the name Jesus, God has something amazing for you. And that's what Easter's about. It's about something new. It's God birthing something inside of you different, something new. And according to the Bible, we move from glory, say glory, from glory to glory. Most people would say they live life from bummer to bummer. But we believe that if you walk with Jesus, listen, it's not that you're not going to have difficulties. It's not that you're not going to have problems. The promise of God is that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It doesn't mean you're never going to have weapons come up. It doesn't mean there's never going to be difficulties or struggles. It means that when those things come, we overcome them. It means that the way I view life, it's, it's, like, it's, it's like this. If I'm going through a struggle and I feel defeated, I know the story's not done yet. I know that there's something coming, there's a shift that's happening, and that's what Easter's all about. I mean, Jesus was crucified, he was put in a grave, and everything seemed hopeless. Everything seemed lost. All of his disciples were scattered, even though Jesus had told them, hey, listen, I must die, I must go to the Father. They had no idea what that meant. And so here they are now, they're discouraged, they're defeated, but how many of you know, on Sunday morning, everything changed? What once looked like defeat, what once looked like, like everything was at a loss, Jesus rose from the dead. And because he rose, we have new life in him. And this is something to be excited about. This is something, this means that I don't have to live life a slave. The Bible says that for those who don't know Christ, they are a slave to sin. It means that you may think that you have control over your life and you may think you know where you're going. But the reality is there's something that is leading you. The Bible also says this, there's a way that seems right to man. But that path, that way, leads to destruction. And so our job as a church is not to shame you or to guilt you or to make you feel better, but it's, but it's for this, to let you know there is a better way. No matter what path you find yourself on today, you can be going to church every week and still find yourself on the wrong path. Because coming to church does not change you. Saying the right words does not change you. You are not saved unto a prayer. I can stand up here and say, repeat after me. And just because you repeat the words doesn't mean it has gotten into your heart. So you would say, well, what changes you? What changes you is the experience. It is knowing him. It is meeting him on this path called life, which has many different paths on your path. It means at some point you have to meet him. And when you meet him, it transforms you. So can I talk to you about two guys who met Jesus on a path? I want to go to Luke 24. And the context of the scripture was there are two men and they're walking. And they had been followers of Jesus. And this is after Jesus had died. Last week we talked about how he, how he came into the town and everybody worshipped him. And he had already at this point been crucified. 
and they did not know what to do with their lives. Now, how many of you know if you give three and a half years of your life to something, and all of a sudden the guy you were following is gone, you're having a bad day? Jesus gave them one command, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and he will endue you with power. And so they had one, they had one job, and that job was to wait. But how many of you know waiting can be one of the most terrible things in the world? How many of you like to wait? Okay, good. Nobody. Think about it. I, I just went to Disney like a week ago, and the worst part of Disney is the waiting. It's like you wait, you wait three and a half, 360 minutes for a 30-second ride. And there's something about waiting that everyone hates. And here are these guys, and they don't have the heart to wait. And so on, they're on this path, and we'll pick up in verse 13. It's Luke 24, verse 13. It said, that day, two of Jesus' followers were walking on the village to Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. We already established Jerusalem was the place where they were to tarry and to wait. And as they were walking, they were talking about everything that had happened. So how many of you know when, when a bad thing happens, you replay that thing? People say, I don't, I don't know about meditating. How many of you have ever had a, a tough day and you just think about it and think about it and think about it and think about it? This is meditation, my friends. <laughs> just meditating on the wrong thing. And so here are these two guys and they're walking along a path. The interesting thing about this scripture is when you look up Emmaus, Emmaus was a place that is insignificant. Like, if you were to look today for the place, the town called Emmaus, you wouldn't be able to find it because it, it, was, it was as if these men were leaving the place God had called them to, and their discouragement was leading them towards insignificance. Their discouragement was leading them towards a place they were never supposed to be. So here they are now on the path, and they're discussing, we lost Jesus, we don't, we're leaderless, we don't know what to do. And verse 15 says, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. And I love this. I love, I love, 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 love that two guys who knew better are now walking in the opposite direction of what they're going, yet Jesus shows up in the midst. I mean, it should serve as encouragement today that no matter where you are in life, no matter how many mistakes you, th you thought you've made, no matter how many struggles you face today, Jesus will meet you on your path. Oh, you're not alone. I just want to say that you're not alone. I wasn't going to preach this today, but I, I, the Lord literally told me you need to preach on Luke 24. And I bought a piece of bread today, and I didn't even know why. You know how weird that is to bring a piece of bread from home, and you don't know why? Okay. Verse 16, God kept them from recognizing him. So they saw Jesus, but they couldn't recognize him. And he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? So now Jesus speaks to them, and he says, hey, what are you guys talking about? How many of you know when Jesus asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer? Like, if you find yourself walking with Jesus and a question pops up, it's not because he doesn't know. There's something inside of you that he's trying to surface. There's something inside of you he's trying to bring to light. And so obviously in the life of these two men, it was the discouragement. It was the hopelessness. What is it you guys are so intently discussing when I had already told you I'll be back? And so pick up in verse 17, it says, They stopped short with sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, his name was Cleopas, said, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about the things that had happened. What things, Jesus asked. He's still playing like he doesn't know. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. They said he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and religious leaders handed him over to condemn him to death. We had hoped. We had hoped. He was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. All this happened three days ago. And so now, now they speak to the hopelessness that they find themselves in. They're discussing how Jesus had been crucified. 
he was taken to the grave, and they had hoped, and, and you could insert any, any, anything in your life that you're hoping for. How many of you are hoping for something in your life that has not yet come? It has not yet been birthed. And we all have these things inside of us we're hoping for, and if we're not careful, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Meaning hope that is placed somewhere, and you're not seeing life to that thing, can make your heart sick if you don't have the correct perspective. If you don't allow God to show you what he's doing, how many of you know God had a plan all along? How many of you know God's plan for these two people, Cleopas and most likely his wife, were not to be heading towards insignificance? Yet Jesus meets them, and here they are in their hopelessness, and then they follow, they say, verse 22, then some women from our group, his followers, were in the tomb this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. This was Mary Magdalene. She had come back that day, and, she, and they were there saying, Jesus is not in the grave. So follow me. This is, this is crazy. They're following Jesus. Jesus tells them, I must ascend to the Father. I'm going to die. The temple will be broken. He has told them everything that had happened. But the, the wrong perspective, the wrong lens did not allow them to see what was taking place. Furthermore, Mary Magdalene came and he said, the, the grave is empty, yet they still chose to walk in the opposite direction. His body was missing. And the angels who said, Jesus is alive. So not only did they see his body missing, the angels had told them Jesus is alive. Some men ran out to see him, and sure enough, his body was gone. Then Jesus said to him, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe the prophets wrote in the scripture. He's saying this was already written about. Wasn't it clearly predicted the Messiah would suffer these things before entering into glory? Follow me because we're going somewhere. Then Jesus took them through the writings of the prophets. So now Jesus is taking them through all the writings from Moses to Malachi, explaining himself through the, this must have been amazing a seven mile journey jesus talking about himself to them and the father and so by the end of his talk they were at the end of their journey verse 28 jesus acted as if he was going on and they begged him stay the night stay with us since it is getting late so he went home with them and they sat down to eat and here's where bread they sat down to eat and jesus he took the bread he blessed the bread he broke the bread and he gave it to them. Now, this is not like some re revolutionary thing that happened. This was customary. And if you've been here before, you know we've talked through this. But, but catch me because this is pertinent to what Jesus is doing because this is after resurrection. And as I said last week, listen, you're not saved from something. You're saved to something. It's important for you to know that because Jesus died on the cross, there is a process that is taking place in your life right now. And no matter what part of the process you find yourself in, God is in the process. Say amen. amen. So he sat them down. He took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And verse 31 is the one that's kind of like, it's huge. Because Jesus is walking seven miles with these guys. He's talking to them. He's opening up the scriptures. All of these things are happening. And so verse 31, now he takes this piece of bread and he blesses it. He breaks it. He gives it. And now all of a sudden, the, the Bible says their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. And so then Cleopas and his wife, they look at each other and they say, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road? And he explained the scriptures to us. And within the hour, say within the hour. Within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. And, and this, is, this is huge. Because this is what happens when you have encounters with Jesus. So many times we were like, listen. <sighs> Can I say it? Yes, I'll say it. This book, this scripture, apart from encountering Jesus, is just a book. This Bible is not meant to be learned or studied like, like some dictionary. This book is meant to be walked out, 
with Jesus side by side through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says without the Holy Spirit, you can't really even understand it. And so now all of a sudden they're walking and Jesus is describing to them and he breaks this bread and their eyes are open. And within the hour, they're on their way back to where they should have been all along. This is why intimacy with Jesus is so important on this Resurrection Sunday. Jesus did not die to free you from sin. He died so that you can have a relationship with him. So that you and him can become one. And when you become one, death, hell, and the grave have been defeated. That doesn't become a reality in your life until you embrace the power of the cross. It's quiet. Only my wife's like, yeah. But this is the truth. And here's what I want to say to you today. Maybe you're here in this Resurrection Sunday and you're walking through life and you're like, I don't understand why my life is the way it is. I don't understand why I can't catch a break. I understand most people have heard Jesus is alive. It's plastered everywhere. If you get on Facebook today, every other post says he is risen. My issue is people don't live that way. The problem is that people become discouraged on the path to where Jesus is calling them. And there was so, so, so here's the thing. There must have been something about the way that Jesus handled. If the, if the handling of the bread was what opened up their eyes, there must have been something about the way Jesus handled the bread that spoke to them. That reminded them that they were now in the midst of the Messiah. And so I want to talk about this process for just a moment because I feel like this is something that every one of you are going to go through. And if you're here today on this Resurrection Sunday, you need to know it's okay. If you're in process, you need to know it's okay. But you need to know that you are in his hands. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus takes the bread, and it's the first day, step of this stage. And how many of you know, if, how many of you have ever been in a taking stage? Like God has taken you from one place to another. She's like, how many of you know that when you're in a taking stage, listen, we went from, for those of you that don't know, we went from Jacksonville to Spring Hill, from Spring Hill to Merritt Island, from Merritt Island to Africa, from Africa to Mexico, and then from Mexico to Lithia. <laughs> Everybody laughs, Lithia, like, dang. How many of you know when God is taking you from comfort to discomfort, sometimes it's not easy? Like, everybody's like, God, I want to be used. So you have this experience. You'll leave. You're like, Jesus is alive. And now what? The first step is God's going to take you. Take me from what? He's going to take you from relationships. He's going to take you from comfort zones. He's going to take you from this. He's going to take you from that. Why? Because he has better for you. In order for you to step into new, you have to let go of the old. So God, I want to be used. Like, give me more. But we can't handle more. God, bless my finances, but I don't want to give. Oh, gosh. God, use me, but I won't preach to my neighbor. Francis Chan at the Send. He was at the Send, and, and get me wrong, this is the culture. And he told people, don't ask God to have you preach the stadiums if your neighbors don't know you love Jesus. Oh. <laughs> Why? Because resurrection, this experience, has to lead you to something. Resurrection Sunday is not an event that we come and gather one day and we can go, he's alive. It's a reality that we live out every day. The way I love my kids, the way I treat my wife, the way I, the way I love people in front of me. People are like, I want to do ministry. Okay, love the person in front of you. If you love the person in front of you, he will send you more. And so how is this gospel alive if those who love him don't take it? So Jesus takes the bread. And maybe you're here today and you're in a taking stage. You're going to find that this is, this is a common theme throughout the Bible. 
Abraham, I have a promise. What's the first step? Go. Where are we going? I don't know. Just go. Moses, go free my people. But how? Tell them the I am sent you. What does that mean? <laughs> so he goes in front of Pharaoh. The I am sent me. Okay. I am who? Okay. <laughs> She's listening all the time. So God is taking you somewhere, and you need to know that that discomfort, you read in 1 Peter 1, you, you, you see him tell the people how when they go through trials, it is, is as if gold going through fire, it purifies it. The same way gold is purified through fire is the same way your faith is purified through trials. In the taking stage, in the not knowing, in the discomfort, it's when these things fall off of you that let you know, I'm becoming more like Jesus every day. Is that not the goal? Let's not get it twisted. The goal is not to build a fat 401k to have a nice retirement plan. The plan is to know as long as I lived in this life, I loved him well. I followed him. I did not just look at the cross. I embraced the cross. Thanks, man. Thank you. Got my back. Got you, bro. So they're in the taking stage. And then he goes from the taking stage to the blessing stage. And you'll know... If you've been through the taking stage, you know the blessing stage makes it all worth it. Like, we felt like it was so hard when we were going to Africa to empty our bank account and to sell everything. And then we got to Africa, I'll never forget. We're standing in the church, which is open air, just cement, concrete. There's dirt everywhere. There's kids everywhere. And I remember them worshiping. You remember this? The first night we got there, and I didn't know what to do but cry. Like, literally, it was like we were there. And I remember all of, the, all of the doubt that we had. How are we going to raise this money? Are we supposed to be missionaries? I'm afraid. I have a one-year-old. My family thinks I'm crazy. My mom probably thinks I'm dysfunctional. All of these things going on. And then we get there, and you go from the taking stage to the blessing stage, and you realize it made all of the taking stage worth it. And I, I feel like somebody needs to hear this on this Resurrection Sunday. If you are saved unto something, then you have to embrace all of the something, not parts of it. We allow God to take us because when he takes us, he blesses us. And nobody likes the taking stage, but the, 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 bless, the taking stage, but the blessing stage only comes after the taking stage. It's when God knows, the Bible says this, those who can be trusted with little will be given a lot. Some of us are asking a lot, and I would ask you, what are you doing with your little? Every single one of us, according to the Bible, have been given a measure of faith. And the question that I would pose to you today is, what are you doing with your faith? If your faith is small, that's fine. But allow God to take you so he could take you, then he could bless you. And if you've been through the blessing stage, you know it's like every time you turn around, you're blessed. Your finances are blessed. Your ministry is blessed. Your friends are blessed. Your family's blessed. And it's like, it's like this. <laughs> when I was going through the taking stage, everybody would look at me and go, you're crazy. Like, you, you've lost your mind. Why would you do that? Why would you do this? And then I got to the blessing stage, and I'm like, look at me now. Look at me now. There's this temptation to be like, everything I went through, all the taking, look at what God's done now. But you got to be careful, right? Because right about when God takes you, and he blesses you, and you want to tell all your haters, look at me now. God's about to take you, and then he's about to break you. Yeah, and somebody's like, ooh. Because nobody wants to talk about the breaking stage, right? Because this is the stage where God begins to prune stuff out. I'm talking about the ongoing experience of resurrection. It's more than saying yes. It's allowing this thing to be lived out. And nobody amens the breaking stage. But here's the truth. 
the disciples' eyes did not open during the taking stage. It did not open during the blessing stage. Their eyes were open that the Messiah was in their midst in the middle of the breaking stage. And here's what I know. I love talking to people that have walked with the Lord a long time, like, like for real. Like anybody can love Jesus and burn for him, you know, passionately for one year, five years. But I want to sit with somebody who's been serving Jesus 30, 40 years, and I want to hear about their journey, right? And I sit down with these people and I ask them, you know, what, what, what is it in your life that caused you to continue to walk this course with perseverance? Paul says, run your race with perseverance that you may finish well. And so you see these guys, and they, and they all say the same. I knew God through the blessing, and it was good. But there was nothing I learned about the Lord like I did when I was in the breaking stage. When my will was broken, when my pride was broken, when my ego was broken, when you allow the Lord to get deep down, you know what I'm talking about. It's quiet. Like that place in your heart that you won't allow anybody in, like you're in worship and you're about to cry, you're like, nope. <laughs> nope, not, not that one. Nope, get that tear back in. It's that place that he's trying to go in. And he's trying to transform. It's why, it's why he died on a cross. He didn't die on a cross so we can have two services on a Sunday and fill up buildings. He died on a cross so that we can live with this perspective, no matter if I'm in the taking stage, if I'm in the blessing stage, if I'm in the breaking stage, I embrace it all. Why? Because at the end of the day, I'm in his hands. No matter what part of the stage I find myself in, I'm, as long as I'm in it. You know why this is huge? Because I remember what it was like on the other side. Like some of us, we, we've been saved so long, we forgot what it was like to, to go to bed feeling hopeless. We forgot what it was like. Like there were many nights between age 13 to 18 where I went to bed and I felt like a piece of garbage. And then all of a sudden I met Jesus and I felt hope again. And then you trace it all back to the day he died on the cross and you got to make it personal. He didn't just die for all of us. If it would have been just you, say just me. If it would have been just you, it would have been enough. If it would have been just you and him, he still would have hung on the cross because you're worth it. And so I wonder today, I would ask myself, I wonder what part of the journey you're on. On this Easter Sunday, you're like, well, what do you want to hear about the process? Because this is what it looks like to walk with Jesus. I can't sit up here and lie to you and say that when you say yes to him, everything's going to be cupcakes and donuts in Disney World. I would love it. Not this hot at Disney, this weather for Disney. <laughs> but I want to tell you that the most important thing about this resurrection the reason he raised up from the dead is so that he can walk with you through every part of the journey. So that you can have hope in places of your life where you feel hopeless. So that you can live with this reality that Christ is alive and because he is alive, you are made more than conquerors. That's what the Bible says. You have been made more than conquerors. Furthermore, their scriptures are full with promise that he, will, he wants to give you exceedingly, abundantly more than you can ask, think, or imagine. Sometimes we come to Christianity and we think, well, why would I give all that up? It's the wrong mentality. He's not trying to be your dictator. He's trying to be your friend. Now, if you have a real good friend, let me, let me get real here right now. If you got a real good friend, your, your good friend will tell you stuff that sucks sometimes. Like, you know who's a real good friend when they walk up to you like, yo, your breast stinks. 
That's a good friend. Any friend will be like, hey, you're doing good. But somebody like, yo, some gum. And so we shouldn't be surprised when Jesus walks up to us and he goes, yo, that thing in your heart, you might want to check that, bro. That thing you're feeling about that person, you might want to check that. And this is a part of this process that he's talking about today. That in every part of the journey, we would embrace him. And that we would realize because Christ is alive, so are we. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for some people today. Can I get my, my mood music? Where's my inside? Is he still there? There we go. <laughs> you know, I know that there are any, any place you could have been on, on Easter Sunday. And I know there's any, any way I could have delivered this message. But I really feel to encourage some people today. <clears throat> it's just interesting. Our first service had a lot of the people that it was just different. It had a lot of the people that this wouldn't have spoken to. But, but I feel it's pertinent to say that no matter what part of the journey you find yourself in, Jesus is with you. Like, it's not just when you say yes to him. He's pursuing you. And this is important. Because the world has painted this picture, and the enemy's done a real good job at painting this picture of this God that is far off and will only love you if you do. This is not God. The God that we serve is this God that pursues us with every part of who he is. And so you can run and you can run and you're on your way to Emmaus towards his significance and you turn around and here's, hey, what are you doing? There's Jesus. <laughs> and he's trying to reveal himself to you. And he's trying to show you that no matter how discouraged you may be, no matter how hopeless you may be on this Resurrection Sunday, he's trying to touch you. So that you would get to the place that you would say, did not our hearts burn? Did not something happen inside of me that changed me? And maybe today you walk through those doors feeling discouraged. But I'm just believing for some of you today that even though you're heading towards Emmaus, God's going to stir something inside of you where you're going back to Jerusalem. What does that mean? Where you're going back to the place where God called you. And for some of you, that may look like just saying yes to him for the first time or rededicating your life. And others of you, it looks like God saying, yes, I embrace the taking. Like, I will let you break that thing down. But no matter where you find yourself, the important thing is that you embrace the process. So would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, I just thank you right now for your love that pursues us. I thank you for every part of the journey that you have us on today, on this Resurrection Sunday. God, I thank you that maybe we're here today and we find ourselves like those disciples walking in the wrong direction. God, I ask right now that you would stir something in our heart that would call us back home. So I want to ask you today, maybe you're here today and you say, man, I need to, I need a redirection. There's something in my heart that needs to be realigned. And you would say, I want the Lord to touch me today the way he touched us too. Would you just raise a hand right now all around the room? Yeah, who else? Yeah, who else? I embrace the process. Yeah. Here, why don't you put your hand over your heart? I'm going to pray over you. And then I'm going to have, I'm going to have them lead us in a chorus. 
Father, right now, I thank you. I thank you for your, the blood that was shed, God. And I ask today that you, would, that you would speak to all hopelessness, all discouragement. People in the room that feel like, why am I going in this direction? I don't understand what's going on in my life, God. That you would just speak to them. God, that you would show them that you are with them, that you are for them. And God, today, I ask that you would give us the strength to embrace every part of the journey. God, I ask and I bless those that are going through the taking stage with faith to go through. And God, give us, give us the humility to go to walk through the blessing stage, God. And give us the courage to embrace the breaking stage, God. Why? So that we can be given. So that we can be given to a broken world that need to hear the message that Jesus is alive. God, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you for hope. And I thank you that hope is alive. And it's alive in me. So today, God, I ask that you would give us new lens to see. That you would give us new eyes to see life and realize that no matter what part of the journey we find ourselves in, that you are here with us. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen.